Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast where a couple of friends review the latest movies, except we literally have zero qualifications to do so. Jessica, we just got out of a long weekend. Well, yes, we did. Most likely. No, yeah, I had a bunch of days off. It was July 4th weekend. Happy birthday, America. History started in 1776. (laughs) And I turn into Ron Swanson once a year. Suck it, Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Don't tread on me. Um, It was a good weekend. I was basically by the pool the whole weekend with family and friends. And we watched... What I'm told is the fifth movie in the Indiana Jones franchise. Like, I don't know why they're skipping. Fifth? Yeah. No, that doesn't sound right. It sounds a little odd, right? Yeah, it sounds off. <laughs> because there's only been three before there's this only been one. Three. So that's weird. <laughs> uh, I guess we'll we'll have that conversation <laughs> as we talk about it. That's very weird. Uh, so uh, if you have never listened to us if this is your first time listening go ahead and subscribe to your favorite podcast app we're on apple Podcasts, spotify and many more if you like us go ahead and give us a review on apple Podcasts and spotify five stars goes a long way for us come and say hi on the socials and stay up to date on everything that we do here our latest episodes and reviews you can find us on twitter instagram facebook and tiktok at always critic pod and lastly if you're a fan please consider becoming a patron it's such a great way for you to get involved and show your support you can check out the page on patreon.com slash always critic pod and thank you to our patrons curtis bale cindy cd alana grace lorna lee sammy and caitlin Thank you so much for being patrons to us. Uh, Today, we are going to talk about the newest Indiana Jones movie. That is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Uh, Obviously, there are a lot of jokes that we have. We just had that (laughs) joke just now. Uh, So, yes, this is the fifth Indiana Jones movie. Uh, Obviously, we like to ignore number four. uh, But... In the meantime, let's let's focus here on this one. Uh, Jessica, what is this movie about? The IMDb synopsis reads, Archaeologist Indiana Jones races against time to retrieve a legendary artifact that can change the course of history. That is very generic sounding. Like you could kind of make that for any one of the Indiana Jones and it kind of fits. Well, yeah. Kind of. Kind mm-hmm. of. Uh, so this one, first time... Not directed by Steven Spielberg. This is directed yeah. by James Mangold. Uh, those, if you are aware, he directed Logan. That is the big movie that he is known for. Uh, it is written by Jez Butterworth, John Henry Butterworth, David Cope, and uh, a little bit of editing and rewriting by one of the stars of the movie, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. The movie stars Harrison Ford. He is back as Indiana Jones alongside the aforementioned Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Antonio Banderas, uh, John Reese davies Seanette Renee Wilson. Uh, we have Toby Jones, Boyd Holbrook, uh, Ethan Isidore, and Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, there's a name that I won't mention yet, uh, just for later. Okay. Uh, box office. How did the box office do on this movie? Well, it made $89.3 million domestic since opening and a grand total of $159.5 million worldwide. That is seems disappointing to me. Yeah, especially since it opened before the holiday. Like, it opened the it weekend. It got the full holiday weekend. Yeah. yeah, it got the full plus. Like, the holiday was on Tuesday. Yeah. So, like, it had the full weekend. And so, this is numbers up until most likely Wednesday, uh, those yeah. numbers. So... Not exactly great for a five-day opening on such a big release. Mm. That is Indiana Jones. Uh, Maybe one of the reasons why not a great release is because the critics score 68%. Uh, Audiences are a little higher at 88%. The critics' consensus reads, It isn't as thrilling as earlier adventures, but the nostalgic rush of seeing Harrison Ford back in action helps Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny Find a few final bits of cinematic treasure. There go the. Puns. There it is. <laughs> so, with that said, Jessica, what are your thoughts on Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny? Well, my expectations were really low. I think a lot of people are not so. 
not so jazzed with the Indiana Jones franchise, maybe lukewarm on it after all these years. There's certainly gems in the catalog, like the first movie and the third movie, I think, bar none, some of the best adventure movies of all time. But what did I need another Indiana Jones movie? No. So again, I walked into the theater really sort of wanting greatness, but except expecting the worst of the movie. And I think I was pleasantly surprised for the most part. It was certainly watchable and I still enjoy Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones, even though he's extremely old in this movie. Compared, <laughs> I mean, Harrison Ford is almost 90 years old. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane to me. And they still have him. They trot him out in the fedora and the the whole Indiana Jones get up and they have him <laughs> jumping tuk-tuks in foreign locales and just trying to be a little more of a Tom Cruise. Oof. See, terrible comparison. To, just because to dimi- diminishing returns, I would say. Right. Comparing anyone to Tom Cruise. Okay, relax. So I'm just saying, like, action-wise, it's really tough. Like, even people younger mm-hmm. than the two mm-hmm. of them, like, struggle to <laughs> be, it. like, action stars. Yeah. yeah. So. I don't think that... Well, so, if I compared the two worst Indiana Jones movies... To this one, it sits squarely in the middle mm-hmm. between them, I would feel. I don't think I ended up liking the premise after all. After even all is said and done, right? After all is said and done, I was like sitting through the theater and I was going with it. And then the third act happens and I'm like, whoa. And I think maybe you have some issues too, maybe with the third act. That it sort of hits you and you're like, I didn't expect it to go in this direction. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the vibe of the movie and the ageism that it sort of tackles is very prescient. And I like the idea of, you know, having regrets in life. Yeah. And life not turning out the way you expected and being too old to sort of do anything or make any changes. Right. You're just set in your ways. And that feels very familiar to the persona of Harrison Ford, who is a notorious grouch in real life and sort of a sour personality. And I think people just really derive a lot of joy and entertainment from them interviewing him and prodding this old man and to talk about the same three movies in his life, three franchises or whatever. Yeah. And he's just over it. He's annoyed. (laughs) And that is very much part of this version of Indiana Jones. Yeah. The subtext that's not so subtle, it's not so sub, it it really is just Harrison Ford, like, uh, grouchy old man. Yeah. The get off my lawn old man. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, So I think I'm a little more positive on it, although that third act still is like, that's a decision. It's a that doozy they <laughs> that they made because I was really vibing with the movie throughout. Right, like you were just kind of chugging along, and then yeah, because I think people went into it probably with certain ideas of what the movie was going to be, mm-hmm. especially okay. when you have someone like uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge in the uh, co-anchor, the co-star of the mm-hmm. movie. Uh, there was a lot of people, you know. Just, mm. I, I don't want to dignify like the response, but people going into the movie thinking that, oh, it's become woke and all this stupid stuff. You know, having, you know, the younger female actress who they thought was going to take over the reins and like, you know, all this stupid crap. The movie's not like that at all. No. I actually love this character because this character is a capitalist. This cap- <laughs> This character is like, show me the money. Like, I will get you the thing. Just show me the mm-hmm. money. I am broke. I need to find a way out of debt. Love the character. Um, I think uh, Mads Mikkelsen, I feel Let me like- pause here and say that as much as I like Helena, that character, I do yeah. have, like, little nitpicks about it. But it almost feels like an Ellen Ripley situation where mm-hmm. it was written unisex. Ah, uh, okay. Gotcha. 
It could have been. It could have been a guy. It could have been a guy. Could have been easily. Yeah. So I like that they went with a female casting, and I mean, depending on how you feel about Phoebe Waller Bridge, does she annoy you? Do you have no problems with her? I don't have any history with her, so this was pretty much the first time that I was watching her on screen. So generally liked it, liked her character. Yeah, I I liked her character as well. Um, So you were talking about Mads. Mads. I really feel like they didn't really give him enough to do. Oh, bro, me too. Oh man, me like, too. You so Mads, Mads is, oh, Mads as a villain. is great. Yeah, and I just feel like it, the the character just didn't have enough. No teeth. No teeth. Um, and then when you get the into motivation the third, was super ew, shaky. Yeah, super shaky. Either you double down on the motivation and like really lead into it and right. not reveal it at the end, the motivation because. We don't know why he's searching for the Dial of Destiny, really, until the very end, until he makes it, pro, you know, the proclamation of what he's using it for. Uh, you should have done that much earlier. And then you double down. If if that's the direction you're going, double down on it early. It just still seemed very wishy-washy. Yeah. When he spoke of his reason, I was like, oh, did they not want to make him like a fully bad guy? Like just this delusional leftover. Yeah, that's it does <laughs> feel that way. Um, then Boyd Holbrook plays a, like a goon for him, which I don't get why. I don't understand this man. Yeah. He's also in Logan. Yeah. James Mangold. I don't understand Boyd Holbrook. Like the character. No, the man. Oh, just the man himself. It feels like, um, (laughs) what are the other actors that they've tried to like force down us? Um, what's the guy? Oh he was in uh, Guy Ritchie's like Arthur movie. Um, yeah. Oh, you oh. know who I'm talking about? Yes, I. I have to look. He it was up. on an FX show, Sons mm-hmm. of Anarchy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was a guy they they were trying to make into a star. Um, and there was a guy uh, who cr- looks Charlie like Hunnam. Charlie Hunnam. Charlie Garrett Hudlum. Garrett, that's another one. Garrett. That's Edlund. another one. They try to do that to to us. Guys, white dudes who like come from like the southwest of Texas type of guy, <laughs> trying to make them into a thing, and it hasn't really worked. It, this role is really just like a goon role. I don't get why. There's nothing there. to it. Yeah, nothing. To I it for him. just don't understand why they think Boyd Holbrook is gonna stick. <laughs> for some reason, I don't know why I came a in hot. Kitch situation. It's a Taylor Kitsch situation, and I feel worse for Taylor Kitsch than I do for Boyd Holbrook. Yes, yeah, so do I. Anyway, uh, yeah, so let's move on. Yeah, so there are people who don't get enough screen time in this movie. Uh, Antonio Banderas, like, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that. Like, what the hell? Uh, Toby Seanette, Renee it. Wilson. Oh my god! Playing Mason. Woof! What the hell happened there? That was that was pretty bad. Toby I Jones was shocked. really only in the first. Toby Jones one opening scene, pretty much. So yeah, so like the movie almost does not have time for all these other characters because, and they're more interesting than Mads Mikkelsen and the other goons. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. Um, and then uh, last person we'll talk about now before spoilers is Ethan Isidore, who plays Teddy, the little kid. Who yeah, uh, that's his like short round. Kid. Yeah, that's, that's Phoebe Waller Bridge's short round. Yeah, I thought he was movie. fine in the in the role. Like, I don't think it was anything like over the top, but it was fine. What I found interesting was that they got this kid at a very unique age, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's that age where nobody looks good. Yeah. It's it's the um, Order of the Phoenix. No, no, wait. The Goblet <laughs> no, of Fire. No. Goblet of Fire. The okay, so they fire got him age. during his Goblet of Fire era. Yeah. For those who don't know, that's the Harry Potter movie where everybody has like the worst hairstyle. Is transitioning. They're going through going puberty and then nobody looks teens. particularly well. Exactly. They told the kids, don't cut your hair. We're going to deal with your hair when you get back on set. And they never cut and their they hair. they never cut their hair. <laughs> they never did anything with their hair. So everybody's got really shaggy hair. Oh, it's <laughs> so bad. They did and them dirty, man. that is the era of 
braces and acne and you're not shaving and that's that's this character Teddy's age range. That was kind of like season three of like Stranger Things where the kids are like, uh-huh, you can tell yeah. they shot up. Yeah, but yeah. But they're still supposed to be like in high school. Right. Or just so, on the cusp of high school. And it's like, I thought that oh, was dude. unique to this movie was that they had sort of a pre, not preteen, but like this teenage sidekick. Yeah. Versus Short Round, who's a child. Who's a child. Yeah. And like this character is very helpful, like in, you know, throughout the story. Sure. Even sure. in the most ludicrous moment in the third act as well. So <laughs> we've danced around this third act a lot. So I think we may as well just get into it and yeah. actually talk about spoilers. But before we do, uh, what did you give this as a letter grade? I gave it a C. And it wow. might have a, I know, and it might have a lot to do with the pure joy that I derived from the Cinemark commemorative cup that I bought. <clears throat> and it has, it's a <laughs> giant cup that is, you don't throw it out. It's good, good plastic. It has <laughs> And it a has fedora. a fedora. A giant fedora on top. And the straw sticks out of the center of the fedora. And yes. I will never let that thing go. No. It, I saw it you at can't. the theater and I was like, my eyes just lit up. I was like, oh, my God. And my mom turns to me. She's like, do you want the cup? And I was like, no, no. Yes, yes, I absolutely do want this cup. So <laughs> I got this cup. Oh, my God. And I was... that's, I mean, everybody in our party who went to go see it with us was overjoyed when they saw this cup. <laughs> nice. Um, I was tempted... A couple weeks ago for Across the Spider-Verse, they had popcorn buckets. Yes. Like (gasps) like the head. I saw those. Yeah. And I was like, should I get it? Should I get it? But at the end of the day, they don't offer you, you know, like refills on that. Like you have to just buy a regular popcorn. So it's like, uh, I couldn't justify it. Couldn't justify it. I could justify this hat cup. Oh, yeah. The hat. You can always use the cup. Yeah, Always. And the straws were usable as well. Exactly, ten out of ten. All right, so I gave it. I actually gave it a B. Oh, yeah. I think we're oh. like like. Well, this is I probably would the say maybe difference. maybe before the, the third, third act, act, it could have passed for a B, maybe B minus. Mm, really? Okay. Yeah. All right, so yeah, I, I I settled on a B. So we'll talk about. Like okay. the the things there, so uh, we're gonna go ahead and talk about spoilers for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny right after this. The greatest trick, Houston. We have a problem. I am the father. I see dead people. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't handle the truth. He didn't exist. Oh, what's in the box? All right, we are back, and we're going to talk spoilers for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Should we just, like, start with the third act? No, because... let's start with the intro sequence that okay. was, like, 20 minutes long, and they had a D.H. Harrison Ford. Such a long intro sequence. Bro. I was not ready for this to for this to take so long in the movie. Me neither. I thought it was going to be, like, five minutes, and then it was way longer than the prelude a scene that we got in The Last Crusade. Oh, yeah. Beginning. Way yeah. longer. Okay, so let's talk to the the de-aging. How did you feel about it? At first, when they took the sack off of Harrison Ford's head, I was like, oh my God, it looks amazing. It looks Mm -hmm. just like Harrison Ford. And then maybe two seconds later, I was like, yeah, the technology is still not there yet because it looked so uncanny and wrong. And what I heard from one of the interviews was that they didn't use the traditional technology for de-aging people. They sort of used all of the footage that they had of Harrison Ford at that age, of which right. there is plentiful footage of Harrison Ford Lucasfilm young has like this. So much. And they used it to create this sequence. And I just couldn't get behind it. I was like, this looks so bad. It didn't seem like he was acting because it looked like he had a Harrison Ford face mask on. Right. I agree. I agree with that. I 
there were times where you can tell like the the face was slightly off and it's just mm. like mm. like there's moments where it looks clean when he's not moving when he's not moving and it's generally serious looking right meant and, to look serious yeah and that looks fine but like there's a moment where he is swinging from his neck because they have him and that entire head looks so fake on the screen yeah. When they're when he's like hanging from up there and everything, so it's not great. Uh, but I, you know, they're working on it. They're doing more with this technology. I think the best the agent that I've seen in any property. Um, it's hard to say. Mine is Maid of Honor. Maid of Honor with Patrick Dempsey. Really? Huh. It's a split second. I right. mean, it's so quick, right? It's just like two, three minutes or something of him young. Right. But I'm like, that looks pretty good. Gotcha. Uh, the one that I was going to say was uh, basically Nick Fury and Captain Marvel and now in the new Secret Invasion show. Like when they go back to the past to look at Nick Fury. like. In okay, the so 90s. here's the thing. Sam Jackson has aged it, wonderfully. Yeah, that's what helps is that he's aged so wonderfully. <laughs> that you, you can know, easily make a de-aging of him and it doesn't look bad at all. They also de-aged Mads. They did. Mads looked that. really good. Yes. His the de-aging on Mads good. looked very good. Yes. you can. I knew that they did because it was like, he doesn't look that young right now, but this looks good. Mm-hmm. So yes. So mix back on the yeah. de-aging that they used. What do you think of the sequence overall? Just a little draggy and mm-hmm. felt very Mission Impossible-y. I can, I can see where you're going with that, yeah. It, it, the sequences seem so out there. So mm-hmm. they don't feel like Indiana Jones. No. They do feel more like Mission Impossible. Like yeah. the sequence where uh, the the machine gun uh, gets kind of blasted and it's on its side and then it starts shooting the side of the train because it's going around a bend. Yeah. And they like miss it. Like stuff like that. They're running on top of a train, which we've had stuff like that, like, you know, in The Last Crusade, but it feels more fantastical in this version, the way they're fighting and the way yeah. they're like doing stuff on it. So it does have that element, like you said, Mission Impossible. And Indiana Jones has always been super scrappy. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. take his gun away. He gets punched. He's just, he doesn't make the jump at the beginning of Raiders where he's trying to get over that chasm. Yeah. Exactly. He falls and he's hanging onto like the root of a tree and he's running down a hill looking pretty goofy and all this dusk flying off of him. And like, it's just scrappy, you know? He looks. It's not this cool. polished dude who's like, Avoiding bullets and shit. Here is the thing about how about Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones is the coolest looking person when he's not doing action. Oh, Once yeah. he starts it's moving, all, it's all iconography. He's an archaeology professor. Yes. <laughs> and, he, and he shows it, you know, when he's like out. And in all, you know, all the previous movies, uh, he's had that sense of like, that goofy run and like things happen and you know like there's a bit of a slapstick nature to mm. him which this movie doesn't really dive into as much no no it, it doesn't changes really... the definition of who indiana jones is because he's not this dude who's begging for a for a thousand dollars to go to marrakesh to buy like a, a an idol he's <laughs> like a fully fledged action star. Right. And he's never been that. And he's never not, really been not, that. Not in the Indiana Jones no. movies, of course. All right. So opening sequence, we kind of get this whole detailed explanation of this dial from Archimedes. Uh, that it was. You think, well, like what I, what I thought was funny was that they had this blade that they were like, oh, this is the blade of Christ or the something. The blade that, that stabbed Christ. Yeah, and it has some power, and then they were like, mm, it's fake. <laughs> so right. you know, oh, we're not going to go down this route of the Judeo-Christian right. 
uh, relic that they're trying to save or steal or whatever. Instead, they go to this dial of destiny that Archimedes himself put together and has some sort of mystical power. Can change fate, change the world or whatever. Right. And we finally find that out, you know, in the close to the third act of what they actually mean by that. I wish that they had deep faked Brody versus introduced Toby Jones as this new character named Basil Shaw. He was in the last one. But But the way that, I mean, it's basically a stand-in. For Brody. For Brody. It is. You're right. Does anybody speak English? (laughs) (laughs) That That is something that we love to joke about is that in the first movie, Brody, you, he's a competent, sophisticated dude who's negotiating with the government and mm-hmm. shit. And he's like, five years ago, I would have gone after the grill myself. Like, it's right. like really just really um, smart. And then in the third movie, he's a bumbling fool yeah. who is, yes, book smart, but cannot be left alone. Right, exactly. And like when Sala's with him, is like, hey, hey, run. It's like, what did you say? Like, and just like <laughs> so bumbling. Yeah. It, the you're joke right. in the third movie of he's <laughs> Harrison Ford talking him up, he'll blend in, disappear. You'll never see him again. With any luck, he's got the grill already. <laughs> and then they Smash cut, cut to. Too. <laughs> Does anybody speak English? And he's like walking around Morocco. Sticks out like a sore thumb. <laughs> oh, oh, that fantastic. is one of the best jokes. Oh, man. But anyway, so I miss Brody a bit. Um, Got it. All right. Let's talk. Uh, we jump forward. 1969. Uh, we're in moon New York landing. City. Yep. Moon landing. We we have the aftermath of it. So like the astronauts are in New York City to celebrate a parade for them and everything. At the it's same the time. It's the space age. Yeah. The age of space exploration. Yeah. And we do get this. Uh, thing on the story of Indiana Jones where he is a professor at Hunter College and you know there's this everything's so exciting outside of the window you know with this parade looking towards the future and here's a man who is still looking at the past you know you know that was a fun dichotomy there to show like he's he feels it feels like the character is resistant to the future and resistant to the change that is happening um and that's part of the bitterness that he kind of shows because you can see he's giving a lecture nobody's paying attention he's trying the stark difference between the students that he has in the previous movies and the students that are in his class now is just sad yeah just sad no no girls like throwing themselves at him and nope Writing I love you on the top of their eyelids. Falling asleep or like just conversing with one another. It's it's a completely different type of setting school-wise for him. Um, And then this is where the plaque gets into it. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is inside the classroom. She's answered questions. After that, we see that he's going to be – he's retiring. He's done. He's hanging it up. Uh, No longer going to be a professor. He leaves, and that's where Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character, Helena, meets up with him at a bar. Hey, you know, I'm looking for the dial, the dial that my dad was obsessed with. You know, can you help me and all that? Mm -hmm. So, and at the same time as that, we see Mads Mikkelsen's character, who is, I guess he was one of the people, one of the engineers that sent the men to the moon. Yeah. Yeah, so a former Nazi engineer. Exactly. Former Nazi who that happened a lot in the United States where they did use Nazi scientists to help them out with the space race and all that. So they're, you know, pulling from history, but he's resentful of what he has right now because this is not what he wants. He doesn't want the acknowledgement of Oh, you helped us get to the moon. That's not his real thing. He is still mad about how Germany lost the war. World well, War Hitler II. Hitler lost the war. Well, Hitler lost the war. That is that's his big thing. Is that 
you didn't win the war, Hitler lost it. I just don't understand what the hell he's saying and where he's coming from because in the flashback sequence, which was 20 minutes long, he just seemed rather concerned about the dial and wanted to explore that and wanted to gain some sort of recognition and research that thing, right? Yeah. Not that he was explicitly... A, like a Nazi. You know what I'm saying? Like, it seemed like he was more of a scientist in right. Germany at the time. Yeah, no, you're right about that. It did feel like he didn't feel like he was this nefarious. He wasn't dressed character. in uh, Nazi uh, uh, military uniform no. or anything. It was almost like he was a civilian. Right. It did feel like that. Yeah. And, but for some reason, we jump forward. And he is this man. He's that mad. He's mad <laughs> about how things went down, which at the time in the flashback, the war was ending at that point. Right. Hitler was like in hiding. Yeah. At that so point. It, it's not like we show him as this disgruntled, mad scientist at that moment. It's it's later on that we see it. It's it, so it's it's a little weird. It's a little weird. Um. So what was that conversation that Mads Mikkelsen has with the the um what was he? He was like a butler, not a butler, like oh, a server. Yeah, yeah, server in at the, the hotel. Right, the black server in the hotel. Like, what was that? Uh, that one was. He said, "Did you serve your country?" Yes. The guy goes, "Yeah," and says what battalion or whatever he was in. And he goes, are you enjoying your victory? Yes. Well, you, what do you make of this? I don't, I'm like, there very is confused. some undertones there about what's happening. Right. Civil rights era of the 60s. There's some, you know, undertones going on there in that conversation. I'm like, that's a Nazi for sure. Yeah, but for sure. I wish it was more overt, I guess. Mm, not as subtle. Yeah, because what is he getting at exactly? I guess he's... That he fought for the country during right. World War II, and that now he has a lesser position in society? That could be one of the things he's kind of aiming at with that. Um, Does he seem unhappy in the... In the job that he's doing, he Could, didn't seem unhappy. Uh, he seemed proud to have served the country. Right. He seems proud to have served right? the country. In his response, he was like, yes, I did. Look, And he says his, you know, fourth whatever regiment. I don't even know. And I mean, if you look at it, Mads didn't like that character didn't serve his country. No. Did he? Like, that doesn't make sense either. For like them, He's comparing his life to this man's life. Right. I, it's, it's Do you a weird see what I'm saying? Like, it's a, weird, it's a weird comparison to make. I know what like, you Like, why are, why are you putting this guy down? He's just coming to bring you, like, breakfast. Because I think, for the most part, he's just getting a sense of... He's not picking on someone his own size? No, no, definitely I guess, not. I guess, is definitely also not. what I'm getting at. Definitely not. He's he's gauging the person, but also kind of he wants because he's to, an elitist for sure. Oh, for sure. He wants sure. to instill in people that because he mentioned that, like, are you enjoying your victory? I believe he ends the conversation in basically kind of like saying, like, you didn't really win the war. It's we lost it type of thing, if I'm not mistaken. And again, what the hell is that distinction that he's trying to make? Uh, the reason he's trying to make it is that they could have won. What, like, what is this victory, I guess? There's no honor in the victory, I guess? Yeah, because he feels that Hitler made so many mistakes that could have easily been avoided that they could have easily won the war. At least that's he's a sore that, loser. in his eyes. Yeah, of course. But in his eyes, that's what he feels. He feels that I saw the mistakes he made. And if somebody, you know, competent would have been in that position... We would have won. And he feels like he's the competent person, obviously. So, you know, hubris is there, you know, 
there's there's a lot of things at play, and we'll and we'll come back to it in when we talk about the third act. But we gotta we gotta move. So, so I don't like the parade. The entire sequence, sequence of the parade, no. like him on a horse and all no. that. It's it's very silly. I know. It, it's <laughs> it's a very silly sequence. Um, yeah, I wasn't like a huge fan of it either. So yeah, we're kind of lockstep there. Um, then. We get Sala for a moment, so a nice, you know, callback to previous movies, drives him to the airport, um, so that way he could start looking for Helena, who was able to escape with half the dial, because it's been separated, and now they're looking for the other half. Then we get to our sequences that are in Marrakesh, I believe, or uh, um, yeah. they're in the Middle East, they're, you know, so we, we find Helena trying to sell it then we get you know i don't like this sequence either the encounter of everybody in the bar slash club where they're to the highest bidder i'm trying to sell it that that's i don't like it you don't like that whole thing and the tuk tuk chase gotcha oh man i didn't like that at all i actually enjoyed that i thought it was fun and silly it was it was adequate at the best (laughs) so so we have that sequence and of course the bad guys do get away at that moment Mm -hmm. uh they They steal the dial back yes they steal the dial back so in the meantime they still need to i have a question about phoebe waller bridge's character helena because she appeals to indiana jones his sympathy right where Mm -hmm. she's like oh my father and he did all this research and i want to find the dial and all this stuff and he gives it to her basically no questions asked before she reveals she he she already knew that he had the dial and she's been lying and she wants it for ulterior ulterior motives the whole she's a capitalist is fine only they went too hard on it okay I see what you I thought where she was like, it's all about the money. It's like, you're, it's a it's a joke. I see. I see what you're saying. It's a joke. Because at the end of the movie, it doesn't fucking matter about the money. Right. Because sentiment wins out. Right. The care that she has for Indiana So it felt Jones. like they went too far in that direction so that they could do that left turn in the third act. I see what you're saying. And it was annoying. It was cheap, I thought. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Um, yeah. I didn't have a problem with it. I thought, like it was a, it was a, a solid like, way because if you would have played my it, thing. Here's if my you would have played it any s- subtler, it would have gone. Do we really feel like this dial, who dro- this thing that drove her father insane? She's just gonna pick it up and sell it. Like Maybe. it does. They didn't even sell me on the fact that she's kind of bitter about this situation and how the dial affected her family dynamics. No, they, they did. And they didn't sell me on the fact that because of this bitterness, she just wants to sell this thing and make money, which I feel like is a better angle than I just want money. I'm just selling this. I have some gambling debts and I'm like this cool cat girl. Fair. Does that make sense? That is, yes, that does make sense. Um, yeah, so maybe a little bit left to be desired there on the motivation of the character with the dial. Um, so Harrison Ford even calls her out on it because she took in Teddy, and he was like, "Why'd you do that? That there's no money in that at all." Right. Well, it's to show that she is giving off this exterior of I'm all about the money. But in reality, there is, you know. But then she didn't even concede the fact. Well, she's not going to concede in that And moment. it was just a little bit. Of course like, she's not going to concede it. She's going to still give off this, you know, facade that This is that what I didn't like about me. the character. I don't mind capitalism. I fucking love capitalism. Whatever. But this <laughs> character was like a... Uh, Hyperbole. Mm. Okay. I got gotcha. you. I see what you're much saying. much nuance to it, I guess. Not much nuance. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, we so, forgot to say that Harrison Ford's Indy is divorced or in the process of getting a divorce from Marion. That is true. Because apparently 
Uh, and we learned this on Antonio Banderas' boat, which this is the next sequence. They go to Greece for this. Uh, that sh- This is where we learned that supposedly the dial can you know, locate fissures in time, which is basically their way of saying time travel, pretty much. Yeah. And so she asked him, you know, if you could go back to any point in time, where would you go? Uh-huh. And he said, I would go back and stop my son from enlisting in the military. And we figured would, out what war it was that he died in. You figured it out? Yeah, it was Vietnam. It was Vietnam? Yeah. So very early on in Vietnam. Because died. Korean War was in the 50s mm-hmm. and was only a few years. Right. But the Vietnam War took us all the way through to the 70s. So how old was he then? How was it? How old was he in the the? That's the question. Uh, fourth movie. Supposedly he dropped out of school. He dropped out of school in that movie. So are we talking about that he dropped out of high school? Shia okay, so we character? figured it out because the fourth movie is set in 56, I in believe. 56. So let's pretend that if he dropped out of school, at let's just say he's 18. Let's just say, for example. Oh, 57. So the fourth movie takes place in 1957. Right. He's already dead by 69. Yeah. So that's 12 years. So 30? I think he was in his 20s. He's got to be in his 20s. I if think he's he was still in his 20s when he so signed So then, then Shia LaBeouf's character in that movie. Maybe he survived the war for a few years. Was 16 maybe? Oh, yeah. Maybe he did. Maybe he survived the war. And then he was killed in action. Yeah. yeah. And so, or maybe maybe he did die in, in his late 20s because, again, the divorce doesn't happen right away. It's like he died and the mother was inconsolable. He didn't know how to comfort her. So eventually that led to the divorce. So maybe yeah. it wasn't like, oh, you know, they he just died. You know what I mean? It was more I think like he probably died in like 1960, 61, around there. Oh, wow. Which so, would place him maybe in his early 20s. Could be. That could be an option. I'm thinking a little bit later, most likely, because Vietnam anyway, we we yeah. dissected it because we were like, "What war did he die in?" <laughs> right, what war? So basically, I would I would go back to the past and stop him from enlisting, and she asked him, "How would you do that?" And I would tell him that he was going to die, and that his death would be inconsolable for his mother, and I wouldn't be able to know how to console her, and that would lead us to separate and divorce. And this is a very meaty, emotional part of the movie and i was like i want to sit here for a minute yeah we we only get a minute of it we don't really get a lot of it um it's a good it's a good use of harrison ford giving us that sad that you know emotional moment that we don't Mm. really get a lot from in indiana jones movies so it was a good use of it so now we get the explanation for the dial we get a little more motivation as to what's going on in Indy's life in his head because he's yeah. a grouchy old man, but we don't fully know why. We saw the letter earlier about the divorce, but now we see why the divorce has happened. It turns into Lara Croft now when yep. they go underwater <laughs> and they go to this temple and all this stuff. Yes. So finally. They killed Antonio Banderas yo, right around here. So ridiculous. And I was like, fuck out of here. Yo, they like they barely gave him anything to do. They dressed them up like, you know, like a poor sailor. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, shot to death. Like, come on, yeah. man. Get out of here. Ridiculous. Uh, okay. So I kind of want to just skip to the temple where they're looking for the grave of Archimedes. Because uh-huh. they're looking for the second half of the dial. Yeah. So they can connect it. Uh, beat okay. So I thought that. To it. Indiana Jones was Archimedes <laughs> because of the watch. Oh, the God. body of Archimedes had a watch on. See, this is immediately I figured it out. And I was like, oh, is that Indiana Jones? Are they trying to tell me that Indiana Jones is Archimedes? Definitely not. And then that was not what happened at no. all. So, so in that moment, they open, they find the watch. But on the side of the tomb, there are wings of a you know of a bird but there's like propellers on it and i was just like this is my thought in the movie i was like 
oh shit, we're going to go back to the past, aren't we? <laughs> They're going to go to the wrong time. And we're going to go back to see Archimedes. I immediately thought that. And I was proven right. They go yeah. to this fissure in time where uh-huh. and then the, the doctor thinks continental drift going, and the right. they're, you're wrong you're sending us god knows where and we went uh, to the battle of syracuse in italy back <laughs> in time where archimedes was there and he sees in the air and they're calling it dragons because they don't know what to call it it's a bomber plane from the 50s and 60s that is flying in the air while they're just shooting like harpoons and arrows. I think I was arrows. just a little shocked that they actually went through with Indiana Jones is now a time traveler. And I guess I should have known because the movie starts and ends with a clock ticking, which is very much a Back to the Future thing. Mm, okay. Back to the Future starts like that. Yeah, it does. Ticking clock. And <sighs> yeah. Um, uh, okay, so we go so, back in time. Yeah, we go back like in time. A, yeah, swords and sandals, the whole bit. Yeah, and then Teddy is on another plane following. Well, them. Teddy, the teenager with a stash, yes, is able a to peach fly for a plane. Stash. <laughs> Flies a plane he's never flown in his life. So here's the thing: <laughs> earlier in the movie, we see him like outside of the club. He's like has like all this stuff on a table. Like he's talking to a pilot. So what would you do here and this and that? And like the pilot's like telling him like, well, you would like lift this. So that way the wings can go. And so like he's pretending to be in a cockpit of a plane. So the setup of that is so that we can see him be able to take off the plane. Chekhov's flying lesson. (laughs) Chekhov's (laughs) (laughs) Because later (laughs) he flies a fucking plane into a fissure in time. And it takes them back to like 127 BC or some such. Yeah, whatever it is, whatever the time. Oh, man. Then, so in that fight, harpoons get that plane more. How do we like the pilot that's just asleep in the back and doesn't hear this, the rumbling of the propellers and shit? Must have been drunk or something. Who knows? I the fact that he didn't wake up right away (laughs) was pretty insane. Somebody slams a door in my building. And I wake up. <laughs> you're telling me Let you're sleeping in a plane. And in you don't a plane. hear the engine start roaring, the propellers <laughs> going, and you moving. But anyway. <laughs> the sensation. Anyway. So uh, their plane, uh, Harrison Ford and Helena are, able, Indiana Jones and Helena are able to parachute out. And then mm-hmm. the actual plane carrying the doctor and the, you know, the goons crashes. Because they were hit by this enough was such, This was such a half-baked idea from Mads Mikkelsen's character. It really it was, was like, because he thought he could go t- back to 1939. That was his... It was like August 20th, 1939, some battle I'm going to go there. back to kill Hitler and I'm going to take over. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? the hubris in that statement. I think I could have believed it if it was the Colonel Weber character played by Thomas Kreshman. Oh, the one that we see early on in the, the, in one the that first see, sequence. Yeah. The one yeah. that dies in the first sequence, who was like a true, you know, Nazi. I agree. I agree with that. Not this nerdy professor Not this over nerdy here who's like, you got to <laughs> like. So then be, be for real. <laughs> we get the moment where <laughs> we're Indiana Jones. And Helena meet and speak with Archimedes in ancient Greek. Yeah. (laughs) It is a little bit of a callback because um, I think it's the third movie. Last Crusade? Last Crusade. Speaks with King Arthur? Or one of the Knights Table? No, no, his father tells him to count to 10 in, in Greek. Oh, yeah, that's true. So yeah, he knows Greek. Of course he's yeah. going to know Greek. And he's like Ada, Theta, like and he goes through. So he does know it. It's canon. It's just funny. But it is a little funny that they're like blah, blah, blah. <laughs> in ancient Greek. And Indiana Jones wants to stay. He's like just leave me here. I got nothing else left. 
There's nothing else. I've been studying this all my life. Just leave me here. And Helena's- it's still a bit funny, but I think it was very genuine in the moment. Yeah. Like we're making a little bit of fun of it now. But. Yeah. And so, you know, they have the dial and, you know, they're he's about to give it to Archimedes and Helena's like, no, you're you going to make your own. Him. <laughs> he's going to make, make his own. own. <laughs> and so then finally she's like, all right, fine. You want to stay? And then clocks him with a right with a right hook, knocks him out. And then we wake back up in present day 1969 to show that Helena finally got through, but not really. She just knocked his ass out and then took him back home before the fissure in time closed. Again, I I don't know. It's a wild premise. We'll circle back to this for a second, but I just want to talk about the end here where we finally get... um, the character that they've mentioned multiple times in the movie, and that's Marion, Marion Ravenwood. Yeah. She shows up. Karen Allen. Karen shows Allen up. shows up. Um, we get, you know, everybody else clears out of the apartment. Hey, let this, let's go get ice cream. We bought ice cream. I know of a better place. <laughs> you know, just get out of there. So, you know, obviously they're coming together to try to, reconcile and we get a call back to raiders this is probably the best part of the whole movie to me was this one call back this (laughs) call back of like i was like oh my god it hurts everywhere yes and it's it's you know the roles are reversed tell me where it doesn't hurt and you know marion points at the elbow and then you know then they they kiss and so this this does feel like a send-off for Indiana Jones, in a way. Well, you see his hat is hung up, so he hung up the hat, and he reaches back out and takes it. Yeah. Takes it off the the rack. But is it over for Indiana Jones? Is it... Are we going to get another Indiana Jones movie because of this? I just had a thought. Oh, no. Terrible thought. What is your Terrible thought? Terrible thought. Well, what's happening in that moment? No, yeah, I get it. I get so, that. So, does he need the hat? I don't. <laughs> for for uh, afternoon tryst with Marion? I mean. I don't know. Why would he grab it in that moment? I know what you're saying. I'm just I saying. Get, I get it. I get it. Um, I I don't know. Okay, so I want to... Fetish. What? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) So, okay. So, final thing that I want to kind of just touch on is this movie and The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I think for me, (laughs) the reason why they feel different than the first three Not necessarily because the action, you can kind of say the action, but I feel like the ending resolution in the first three movies always had to do with something of the spiritual world, Uh whether it's Christianity or whether it's, you know, uh, tribal, right? It always felt like they were dealing with something that had to do with some type of religious, supernatural, cold, that type of thing. And then they broke the mold with aliens in kingdom of the crystal skull and then here time travel so i feel like that's the reason why it feels so different to me is that they didn't go back to like the religious aspect which kind of formed the first three movies well science is harrison ford's religion i'm sorry indiana jones's religion it is until he gets face to face with something supernatural well i guess i should say history History is, is, yes, that is true. Um, Until he comes face to face with something, you know, that's supernatural from the religious world. So it feels different when it's like aliens or time travel. But there's always been an undercurrent of he's a non-believer. Right. Exactly. Science versus, you know, Mm -hmm. religion. Mm -hmm. Science versus faith. 
there's yeah. always been like that dichotomy of like yeah i don't believe and then yeah harrison what does he say happen. in the first movie you're talking about the boogeyman yeah exactly when they're talking about the whole the yeah. arc the arc the of the arc. covenant yeah so so i guess that's why it feels different now with all that said when it comes to the ranking of the movies number one easy raiders like Ooh, without a but doubt. but but what? a very very close second is Last Crusade. I love Last Crusade. I actually yeah. watch it probably more than Raiders, but I think yeah. Raiders just holds like this like special spot. So this is where we start getting into the territory of what's the third best. I am not a fan of Temple of Doom. It's still not. the third best. It's still the third best. And this is where you and I might differ. <laughs> oh no. Because I think Dial of Destiny <laughs> has a case to be number three. It, you know. Yeah. Like, no. number five is well set. Number five is easily Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. But third and fourth, for me, I feel like there's an argument. Because I really do not like Temple of Doom. Yeah. And this one had Temple of Doom callbacks in the, like, they had a bug sequence. They did. They did. With the, and not not spiders. I'm talking, like. Temple of Doom bugs. Right. Yes. And it, uh, it's not cool. I don't know. I feel like this movie is too... I hate to use the word derivative because it's not just trotting on the same ground as other Indiana Jones movies. It's also picking up crumbs from other franchises and other action-adventure vibes and yeah. locations and sequences and things that feel like oh it could, this could be a national treasure this could be in Lara Croft this feels straight out of Mission Impossible yes I agree and I feel like they're diluting the the character and diluting the brand when they do that mm, I see I have a question okay so if this is truly the last Harrison Ford that we'll see in Indiana Jones. Let's just say. Okay. What do you think they do with Indiana Jones? They, I, they're not just going to let it sit. What do you think they do? I have an idea of what I think would be a good idea. Or maybe well, they killed backfire. Shia. They did. They killed Shia. I don't think they would continue a franchise with Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character. She's a good, you know sidekick she's a good you know second piece to the film so but. how are they gonna hobbs and shaw this so my idea would be that this is gonna sound blasphemous but kind of do almost like treat it like bond <laughs> like james bond you just start over you kind of start over you just start and you, over and and you go on different adventures with you go on a couple adventures with a new actor, and then after some time, bring in someone else. There's so many different types of like adventures you could put these people on. I can't believe it. I'm just. You don't saying. think they'll take like Sala's grandkids and turn them into a couple no. of like indies? No, 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 not at all. Because we've never we've never been introduced to Sala's kids, and you know who the the story's about? Indiana Jones. It's not about. You want to keep the name else. and everything. The name would have to be vital to the franchise. Like you're not just gonna sit on the franchise and then make somebody else the lead character. So what you do you want do with reboot. Indiana Jones? Technically, yes. You're talking about a reboot. Technically, yes. Yes, I am. I think it could work. <laughs> I, I really think, think so. it could work. I think you can have an actor come in, play a couple movies. And like put their spin on it and then have another actor come in. So you're saying this is like Lara Croft. I mean every few years or whatever you I get just said James Lara. Yeah, it's same thing. Same thing. I can't believe you're no, no. I'm just saying if you're gonna sit on the brand of Indiana Jones, which Disney is gonna sit on, not for long, they're going to make another They Indiana have to Jones. make a series of young Indiana Jones. Movies. Maybe they do young Indiana Jones. And then you can recast and you can set it back in the freaking 20s and 30s. 
There we go. That's another Versus way of going Versus we're now it. in the space race. No, I'm not saying the that Cold they would take War. over now. Because I don't like that era. No, I'm not saying I that. I think the appeal of Indiana Jones is also like this crux in history where things are still unknown. The world is still pretty small and... You know, yes. you have these grand adventures, we and are the in, on circus the same page. still exists, and you We're on know, the same people, page. yeah, yeah. I'm not talking about. I would like, rather start have over a young... like 1969. No, okay. I'm talking about we go back, but I don't. <sighs> to do you know how many different adventures you could put Indiana <laughs> Jones in the 1930s? Who would be your River Phoenix? That's a good question. That's a very good question. Because who is one. gonna who is gonna stand toe to toe with Harrison Ford? I don't have one right now. I'm just <laughs> giving the idea. I don't have like the full answer yet. I would love to see, and this is terrible. What the hell happened with him and Marion? Um, Do we get a problematic oh, love story? Oh god! <laughs> it's always been a problematic love story. Oof. But We're do we see like story. Harrison, uh, not Harrison Ford, do we as see Indiana student? Jones as a grad student who's with, 10 uh, years her senior? With uh, Dr. Ravenwood. And Dr. Ravenwood. A young man. Who we've never met. We don't know even know what he looks like. Yeah, we did. Well, in, Come in on. Crystal Skull. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. And I mean, that would be kind of. That'd be wild, know. dude. That'd be wild. That would be wild. <laughs> uh I don't have an answer because, again, Harrison Ford is so singular. Right. It's and we don't have, we've talked about this offline, but there are no movie stars anymore. You're right. You're right about that. There are no super uh, movie stars. Um, everybody's kind of defined. And Harrison by Ford their already franchise. took this job after being famous in Star Wars. That's true. And then he defined this. Yeah. And if you look he at it. if you look at interviews, he's definitely more excited about this than Star Wars. Oh ever, yeah. Ever. Yeah. Like yeah. you could tell, like this this one means more to him than than true, uh, true. Star Wars. Uh I'm just that's just an idea that I'm throwing out. Because I know they're not gonna just sit on it because it's such a prestigious franchise for them when they bought Lucasfilm. So how they go about it going forward, I don't know. I just hope they don't fuck it up. But <laughs> that's asking a lot. All right. If the action is going to look like this, just don't even bother. Yeah, you need to scale it back. Scale it back. Practical, please. Thank you. Go back to practical. Go back. We got it all back. Okay. All right. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's Any it. other thoughts on Dial of Destiny? No. All right. Perfect. So <laughs> I don't think this will make any of our top tens. But speaking of top tens, our next episode is going to be our 2023 mid-year review. Hey. We're going to look back at the first six months of the year. And Jessica and I are both going to have our top ten list for I'm really excited. the best movies this year. I have we a couple have to do of this, surprises. We have to do this before the coming week. Yes, yes, we do. Because coming up, we got some loaded movies. Bangers. But that's second half of the year stuff. That is released in July. At least yeah. this one was still in June. So yeah. counts for the first half of the year. So I'm excited for that. I got a couple of, I think, surprises in there. What? <laughs> I got a couple of surprises in there that I wasn't expecting when you I was making the list. You got a couple curveballs? Yeah, when I was what? making the list, I was like, huh? This is in my top ten. Uh, you know what? And I'm, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not. I'm proud of it. I'm proud of my ten. So, but, yeah. But, so right. that's gonna be our next episode. So be on the lookout for that on your podcast feed. If this is your first time checking us out, thank you so much. Uh, why don't you go ahead and let us know what you thought of the movie? Uh, you can find us on all the socials at Always Critic Pod. Uh, if this is your first time listening, thank you again. But go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and many more. Don't forget those five-star reviews. And then finally, if you're a big fan, go ahead and check out patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod 
and you can subscribe and become a patron for as little as two dollars a month we have a bunch of content on there and we're always posting new stuff throughout the month so check us out there patreon.com slash always critic pod and with that that has been our show i'm rico and i'm jessica and this has been the always the critic podcast (laughs) 